Praise you, Lord. God is good, isn't he? We're just starting to see that cool weather, right, of the fall come in. Who's happy for a little bit of that? Uh, but it's, so it's nice to see it. But you know what? I just see the, the colors changing and the temperature changing. And, you know, the word says that, right? Jesus said that, that we know how to read the times in our natural earth, in our season, that we must be just as alert to read the times in uh, the spirit, what's going on in the kingdom of God and uh, what God is doing. And I don't know uh, exactly what that is. You know, we, we do see in part, we live in this world looking through what the Bible says is shaded glass, like sunglasses. You know, we see, we see partly. We see uh, uh, clearly in Christ, and yet we're still kind of uh, shrouded in a, a confusion to an extent. It's not that God's keeping us confused, but our human minds just can't understand what God is doing. Even if God wanted, I firmly believe this, even if he, if he wanted to show us everything, I don't think this human mind could possibly understand it. It'll only be an eternity that we'll be able to fully see the picture. And I've said this before, but God does things um, that go beyond your individual life. He's doing things that are generations ahead of you, uh, isn't it amazing? I'm always, always uh, just shocked how God makes a moment in time line up when just things come together and you're like, wow, this was like a God moment. God did this. God brought some things together. It could have only been God. And you have to realize how many things have to line up for that to happen. And it's not instantaneous. It's not like God was just like, oh, let me move some things around. You know, some things had to happen, right? Sometimes, when the, the, you really unfold the whole story, it was like months and months or years and years in the making. You know, it might have been a decision that you made years ago that got you to a certain place to meet a certain person, and they made decisions years ago to be in that place at that time and so on. And so we must just let God uh, uh, be God, and we have to just choose to look at him and choose to Really, that's what faith is, trust in him, even though we don't see everything uh, in its fullness, we have to understand that, uh, that, that the fullness really uh, is that we will be with Christ in eternity forever and ever. That's really, you know, the ultimate clarity, and that we know and we can see clearly. Now, the details of that and what transparent gold looks like, I don't know. I can only imagine, but I choose to look at that clarity in Christ, and what that does when we do that is, is it gives us a security here on the earth. It'll make your footing really strong and really secure here on the earth, because now I'm not as concerned about what is actually uh, happening moment by moment, because I know that ultimately God wins. I know that ultimately this temporary existence is going to be folded up like a dirty rag and thrown away. I know that ultimately I have, and so do you, a mansion being built in heaven that is uh, very speci uh, special and unique and was just for you, and the Lord's building it for you, and we know that we will spend eternity with him. Amen. And those are the things that we know we know that we know that we know that we know. You know, sometimes we're, we get kind of, you know, twisted up and frustrated about the things that we don't know. Lord, why aren't you answering? Why aren't you showing us? Why aren't you telling us? And I think at those times you need to focus on the things that you do know. And I do know that God is God. I do know that he has a plan and a purpose. And I do know that he's going to use. Uh, I don't like to say what God causes because I don't know what part was God and what part was the devil and what part was mankind. So, you know, you, if you eat McDonald's your entire life and then uh, get diabetes, you know, from the Coke in your meal every day, you can't point your finger and blame God. <laughs> you know, we made decisions in there. So I don't always know what man did and what the devil did and what God did. But one thing I do know from my word, not from my opinion, is that it doesn't really matter how you got in your situation, that when I read my word, when people humble themselves and they pray and they seek God, 
Sometimes that human body still dies just from choices, right? <laughs> That's a hard thing about reading our word. But God brings redemption. God brings restoration. God brings forgiveness. God restores kingdoms. God restores relationships. I mean, amen, right? That's his word. So that's where we need to focus right now. I just feel like I have just a few things to tell you. And um, I don't, I'll let the Holy Spirit kind of link it together in a seamless sermon. So I'm just going to tell you my three thoughts right off the bat so that I make sure I get to them. Because sometimes I have three thoughts and I spend so much time on the first thought that I look at the clock and there's no time for thought two and three, or maybe I skip three. So my three thoughts are this. Number one is that we need to keep going, and I mentioned it last week, so I'm going to mention it again, that we need to hold on right now. This is a time to not give up. Everybody say, I'm not giving up. To stay steady, right? This is time to stay steady. The Bible calls that steadfast, right? That's one of the attributes that we have from the Holy Spirit, is to be steadfast. God is steadfast, and God's nature is in us. We must be steadfast right now. Aren't you thankful that God is steadfast? Imagine he wasn't steadfast. Imagine he was like, I give up. These people, no matter what I do, no matter what I do for them, they just do what they want to do every time I'm done. Now, ultimately, it's part of his word. He will do that. And thank God, though, that there is a group of people that does call on him that's going to be with him for eternity. And it breaks our heart for the rest. And we keep praying for them in their moments. As long as they still have breath, they still have a chance. Amen. But ultimately, God does give up, not give up, but uh, gives up on this natural earth and says, I'm making a brand new earth, and uh, I'm going to get rid of the devil, and I'm getting rid of death. Thank God. Amen. Right? I'm getting rid of sin. I'm going to throw it all into the lake of fire, and we'll be with him forever. But in this meantime, we must stay steady. And we must finish what has been started. Everybody say, we must finish what has been started. It's human nature to go 90%, and the last 10%, it's just human nature. Good enough, or we move on to other things. They call it the 90%er club, and it's most of society. It's very hard for people to go that final 10%. Uh, as um, a contractor, I really, really... Uh, want to give that customer 100% and then I get my check and I hopefully never see them again. Ultimately, that's my, I tell them all the time, I'm open about that. If I see you again, it better be for something else, not for my job that I've already done. And I tell other people, don't pay your contractor until he finishes because if you pay him when he's 90%, he's not coming back. Isn't that the truth? Right? Everybody's experienced both sides of that. So we must Go all the way. We must finish. We must cross that finish line. And if we have breath in our lungs, if we have a word from God in our hearts, even if you're asking God, God, what's that new word? What's that fresh word? What's happening? I don't know. You're not showing me. Then I always say, and, and so have, have um, many mature men and women before me said this, to grab a hold of what he told you last to what you know. Grab a hold of his word. Grab a hold of the truth of his word. We might not know what is happening here in September and October of 2020. We don't have all the details, but I do know that God has told us to, to be a church here. He has told us to assemble. He's told us, even though it all closed down and all that happened, right, to come back here and to be a church. I'm going to focus on those things. Even the circumstances don't make sense. I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to focus on what he's given us as a mandate, which is to pray, to be families, to love each other, to stay in unity. That's one of my other points here. And, uh, and just to keep going. Amen. So that segues me into point number two and three. Point number two is to keep praying. I believe that the Lord is, is really, and, and it goes right along with the keeping going, but we must keep praying. Amen. I want you to say that out loud. I must keep praying. This is the time to keep praying. It's so easy to pray and then say, well, I've prayed or think you've prayed. Sometimes we think we're praying, but we're not praying. We start praying and then we start daydreaming and then our time's up. So we prayed. But we must keep praying and keep praying. Maybe the reason the Lord has us keep praying is because the 30 seconds that we were actually focused 
each of those one hours adds up to be an actual hour of prayer by the end of the year. I don't know. But the point is we must keep praying and just keep praying and keep praying. You can't stop until we see it finished and completed. It's not just because we have an election next month, in a month and a half. That's not the reason that we must keep praying. There are things happening across this world. There are shakings happening, and there is the unknown. At any second, we could be in an unknown, things that you don't even have a, a capacity to understand because we haven't seen it yet. That's why we just have to keep praying, and I believe that the prayer is multifold. That we must pray, A, for the Lord's will. And I really just felt, in the whole spring, I just kept saying, Lord, your will be done. Give me your will. Give me your will. And I didn't pray specific things to happen with uh, the virus and with, this, with our nation. I just kept praying for grace and mercy and the Lord's will. Because we need to grab a hold of his will. We need to understand what is God doing? What is God up to in this time? Because again, I don't know what's man and what's the devil and what's God. I want to get a hold of God's will, which bypasses man and the devil. Thank you, Lord. Right? But we need to know what that is. Grab a hold of that. So part of our prayer is, all, is seeking him. Say, part of prayer is seeking God. It's not just telling God and not just praying. We go to prayer and say, Lord, do this, Lord, do that, Lord, do this, Lord, do that. That's not prayer. That's part of prayer. But I believe a big part of prayer, probably 90% of prayer, is, Lord, what is your heart? Lord, I'm seeking your face. Lord, this is what I believe is happening, and this is what I feel, and this is what I think. But what do you think? What do you want, God? And and a combination of that with his word, right? We're reading his word already as believers, and you're bringing that word into your prayer, and you're saying, Lord, this is what your word says, and we remind him of his word, and I believe his will does start to come out of your mouth anyway, automatically, but sometimes it even takes time. And then finally, the Lord uh, does tell us clearly, let your request be known. I always bring requests to the Lord. I'm just not offended at God when my request is not met. It doesn't mean he doesn't want to answer it. It's just at that point I sum up that it's either not his will or it's not the time for his will. Amen. And so that was the second thing. And I'm going to just kind of build upon these things a little bit, but I wanted to say them. And so hopefully this is okay. And then finally, the third thing that's really on my heart is while we're holding on and while we're praying, that if we do that, everybody say, if we do that, we're still going to fail. Oh, you didn't want to say, wait, wait, say that again. Let me say it again. If we only stay steady, come on, let's just say this out loud. If we only stay steady and pray, we're still going to fail. And this is why. The devil is after our unity right now. You know what happens? I don't care how strong you are. You know, no man, right? What's the saying? You're not an island, right? We are not meant to do it alone. Even Jesus Christ himself. You know the very first thing he did with his ministry? The very first thing he did, I'm not talking about the wedding and turning the water into wine. I mean the very first thing where he goes out into the, into the land. You know what he does? He starts raising up people that he can pour himself into and link with and have a, an army with him. He doesn't need much. God doesn't need a big army, but God raised up an army, didn't he? Eleven of those disciples continued on after Jesus died. Amen. You are not alone, and I don't care how, think, how strong you think you are and how intimate your prayer time is and your worship time. You know what happens when you do that alone? You get weird, and you get off, and you get into your own. There's none of that. There's, we need the iron. So many times I saw the word. I was praying the word. I'm praying. I'm with God, but we need that believer next to us. You know, Dawn and I, because that's husbands and wives, sometimes it's abrasive, right, husband and wife, but it's a good thing. She'll tell me clearly because, you know, there's no one around. She can just tell me bluntly what she thinks. And there's no, there's no shielding. There's no guarding. And sometimes I'm offended. She's offended, right? That's when we love each other, though. We, you know, we'll get offended for the day maybe, right? Hopefully that's all it is, right? Divorces happen because no one deals with those offenses and actually learns like, hey, I got to deal with that. She's right. Or he's, he's right. We don't hear that very often, but she's right. 
And so that, but that abrasiveness, that iron, that iron against iron is what strengthens us. That's what takes the word of God, which is still the word of God, and makes it, um, it makes it pure. It, it takes away the flesh and the soul part of it. You know, you can take the Bible and be soul and flesh about it. Because I can take the word and I can do the cut and paste, pick and choose Bible. And so sometimes I'll think something and then another believer says something and I'm like, wow, that's true too. And if you put the two together, that's a different truth. It's a truth and a truth, but together they create uh, the full truth. Amen. And I'm really just, I heard, heard from the Lord. Um, I want to really just talk about these three things for a few minutes. Um, but if I had to just preach on one thing, it would be unity. But I was like, I can't just do that because I really need to just tell us we need to keep going. We need to keep praying. So it's all three things. But if you get one thing today, it's the unity. We must be unified. In fact, I really felt like on 9-11, even though it's been 19 years, so, you know, like these kids here, they, don't, they weren't around. They don't even know what it was except for us telling them. But for us on 9-11, right, in 2001, we experienced it. It was a day just like it was on Friday. It was that perfect, cool day, the blue sky. Wasn't it just like that? It was very eerie to me because I'm like, this is exactly what it was like. I remembered that. And I just said to the Lord, I feel like this is a day to be remembered and a day to be respected on the men, on the men and women's lives that were lost. And... Um, and and the, the one thing that I left the end of the day with is that the two planes that they used were uh, United Airlines and American Airlines, the two airlines they use. And that's because they wanted to bring down, it was a, it's a symbolism to bring down America, ultimately, right? And to bring down the, the unity, the united. It was united and America. And that's the thing is if you take the unity out, you don't have America, this is not a political message. This is a church message. This is for us right here. But it, it still applies just as equally to this nation. If you take away unity, America goes away. The only reason that America works, I'm, again, I'm not, even, I'm not a history major. I'm not a, I don't even understand it fully, except, you know, like uh, grade school level. But the, even the balance of power is the idea was so that it's not just one ruling, but there are some iron, sharpening iron, which irritates each other. Now, it's always, ir pol pol politics has always irritated people, but we work it out, right? And hopefully we get to the best for our nation. Right now, it's extra abrasive, and we're going to keep praying through that. It's always been abrasive, though, right? Since day one. That's part of it. But what's happening is, is because it's not one, and the abrasiveness is that it's balancing each other out. And so if we are not unified, we will fall. And this is just what I would just seek in the Lord, and I really feel like the Lord showed me this week, is that the disunity is normal in this world system. We must understand that. In fact, I'm going to go right into that. Here's where we're going to go. Everybody say, we're ready to roll. <laughs> I'm going to go right into this. Uh, I just want to read some things I wrote down. Uh, the unity in the church is essential because the world is already in disunity. In fact, it always has been. The world has never been unified. That's the world. But the church, the reason the devil is after it in the church so much is because he already has the world. The only place there is unity is in the church. So if he can get the church right now to get into disunity, I'm not talking about disagreements. Everybody say disagreements. That's not disunity, right? Again, a husband and wife, we can disagree, but we are in unity. We are still one, right? We're going to choose to put our disagreements aside for the greater purpose of, of our love, to grow together, to raise a family, and so on. Amen. But the disagreement when it becomes something that you stand on and you cannot let go, and it becomes this platform and this stance, you know what begins to happen is we begin to push, we begin to become kingdoms, and we begin to push, we begin to put walls around and push each other away, and now we've become disunified. 
I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, last night as I was just trying to put some things together, some thoughts, and just try to bring it together, I said, Lord, uh, you know, what's the focus on tomorrow? And I had, like I said, these different thoughts, and I wanted to find a title of something I had preached on back, I didn't even know when it was, so I'm just trying to find a title. And when I opened my iPad, there was a sermon from June and it said, uh, wow, I can't remember. Just went totally blank. Wow, that's so funny. I'm thinking of five things at once while I'm preaching. <laughs> but it's unity is unstoppable. That was the idea. It's unstoppable. I remember the whole sermon. I just don't remember his title. It's from June, June 14th. I remember the date. But I'm pretty sure it's unity is unstoppable. And the point was that, uh, that the Lord really, just for that to pop up, to be right there, June 14th, and that was the one, and, 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 then, and then simultaneously, the very next week, uh, we did a repost of, of Jeannie from last August talking about Esther, and it was swirling around in my heart and all these different things, and, and I had these, these different thoughts swirling around in my heart all as one sermon, and I made myself actually listen to my own sermon the whole hour last night, and uh, I tried to just kind of skip through, and I, the Lord wouldn't let me, so I listened to the whole thing of myself. And it was really all the same things I'm writing down again three months later that the Lord is saying. And you know, when I go through the Word, you know when you go through Jeremiah, and you go through Isaiah, and you go through Ezekiel, books like that, where it's the same chapter 47 times, right? And you're like, God, why'd you do that? It's because we don't listen, we hear it, and then what happens? Oh, yeah, that's right. We move on. We want the next thing. We want the next idea, the next theology, the next thing, next blessing, etc. right? What's the new thing? What are you going to talk about next week? Well, we're talking about the same thing. <laughs> the Lord's saying, I'm still talking about the same thing, which is that we must be in unity, we must keep praying, and we must keep going. And if we don't do those things, we're going to lose the church. We're going to lose this nation. The other morning, I was thinking about uh, some things that happened over in uh, Europe, specifically some things that like they went through in Russia when communism came in, and I was just thinking about it, and I said, Lord, I don't even want to think about some of the things that the Christians faced, and I was thinking about these very specific things that they went through, and I had no influence of it at all. I hadn't looked at it. I had, it just kind of popped in my heart, and I prayed about it, and I just said, I don't want to think about those things. I know those things happen. I know those things could come, those type of persecutions, but I don't want to focus on them today. We know if the persecution comes, it comes, but I don't want to think about it. And, I, and then randomly, I'm listening to talk radio, which is our local you know, conservative talk radio. It's not a Christian station, but it is conservative talk radio. And the guy mentions the exact thing, the exact stuff. I'm not talking about like a similar idea. He mentions the same guy who wrote the same book that I read and the same out of the entire book, the exact thing that they did to these believers, the unbelievers did to these unbelievers over in Russia, you know, communist uh, Soviet Union. And I just said, Lord... I said, Lord, why would you show me that? What's, you know, why, why, uh, now I'm paying attention. I thought it was interesting this morning enough to pray and to give it to you and say, I don't want to think about it, but you made me think about it a second time. And I just happened to be in the truck, you know, from job to job at that moment to hear that thought. And I believe that the Lord said something to me very specific, which is, what has to be does not have to be. What has to be does not have to be. In other words, if things carry on a certain way, it has to be. God is just. Everybody say God is just. And God must judge. Let's say that too out loud. God must judge. Aren't you thankful that he does judge? Imagine he didn't judge. Imagine if God didn't judge. We think the world, everybody says, how could a God like this, how could a God of love let a world like this happen? 
Imagine if God never judged. You think that God's not judging things all the time? You know what this world would look like if God never judged? God judges all the time. We just don't notice it. People think it's coincidence or something, or they just think it's evil people against evil people, and sometimes God's doing things. He's constantly judging, and I'm so thankful for it. It's his love and his grace and his mercy that he does it, and he must. And if things carry on the way they are in the church and in the world, in this nation, there is a culmination that has to be. It's the word of God. As I read my word and I read the story, the Lord's prophesying and prophesying and prophesying and prophesying and prophesying and prophesying and prophesying, right? Throughout all those books, over and over and over again, what's going to happen all the way from way back at Moses, you know, when I had him write down, we call them rules and regulations and laws, but it's really love. <laughs> it was really love for you. That if you do these things, it's going to go well with you. If you rebel against these things, evil stuff, is you're going to open doors. Things are going to happen. And every time he warns them and they don't listen, it does happen. And then they repent, and then they go back to the way things were. And then they repent, and they go back to the way things were, right? It's kind of hard to read the word, the Old Testament. Isn't it hard sometimes to read that story? It's so sad. My heart breaks for God. If my human heart, this little tiny thing, this little speck of the universe compared to God's heart, if I'm broken for God, imagine his heart. Imagine how broken. Imagine how much that hurts him. And he loves us so much that he sent Christ. He sent his only son, gave us his blood. And the Bible says that if we, if we don't recognize the blood of Christ, just like they don't recognize the law, Old Testament, that it's as if we're trampling on him. It calls us, it literally says you're trampling on Christ and trampling on his blood. And God said, imagine what will happen. It says in Hebrews, imagine what I'll do. Imagine what God will do if you trample on his son and on his blood. If they transgressed him in the Old Testament and I did such and such, imagine what will happen if they trample on my son. And remember Jesus gave the parable, right? He said, you know, I sent uh, these people and I sent this group and I sent these warn you know, warners, uh, warning people, warners? And I, he said, you know, and finally he's like, I'm just going to send my son. They'll respect my son. And they kill his son. Obviously, the, the parable was referring to the Old and New Testament all summed up into one story. But the Lord spoke to me, and that's what he's been speaking, I think, to Christians across the world, but especially because this is where we live in this nation. It doesn't have to be that way, though. God loves to relent. God says, I desire mercy. I desire mercy over judgment. Aren't we thankful that God desires mercy over judgment? God loves us so much that he sent Jesus. And don't forget, we didn't deserve it then and we don't deserve him now. We can't go to Jesus and say, well, I've been a good little boy, so, you know, I'm good. We must come to him broken and hurting, not just for our own lives, but for the world. You know what happens? The more you bring your nation before him, the Lord, more the Lord shows in me. The more I'm repenting for the nation, the Lord, more the Lord is showing my own issues in my own heart. And then it just drives me deeper into repentance, which then makes me repent for the nation more. Amen. Isn't that amazing that we can do that? And then you know what happens? God turns. God can turn a situation. I'm so impressed in, when I read his word at God's love because it doesn't matter how bad the situation was. One thing we can sum up in every single story is that when they humbled themselves and when they prayed and when they repented, when they sought God, when they fasted, God moved on their behalf. I don't know what that means in the timeline of the earth, in the timeline of the United States, in the timeline of God's 
God's plan. I don't know what that will look like, and we must not put a preconceived idea before God and say it has to look like this when we're done. But I do know this, that he will fend for his people, and he will protect his people, and he will guide us through it. Even if things have to change in this nation or the earth, for, to fulfill the plan, you know, the revelation eventually has to unfold. It's been 2,000 years, just so you know. Eventually, it does start unfolding. Every generation, like, thinks, says, Jesus, come quickly. Oh, Lord Jesus, he's coming any moment, but don't bring in revelation. You ever notice that? Everybody says, Jesus, come quickly, but I don't want to see the book of Revelation. But eventually, the book of Revelation has to start unfolding. As believers, we have to believe this, and he wrote it down for us. It actually says there's a blessing for those who read it and believe it. There's actually a special blessing. You know, we get a blessing in heaven from reading Revelation, understanding Revelation, and, and just saying, Lord, I believe it, and, and I'm going I'm to join with your will. I'm not going to fight against you. I'm not going to fight with your will. Your will be done. With that said, if God is going to unfold revelation in our time, we must not just watch it unfold without praying, without fasting, without seeking him and saying, well, you know, it was God, he had to do it, he had no choice, and that's that. No, we're going to get to heaven, hopefully. I say that because, you know, that's a scary thing, that if a Christian is disobedient or rebellious or doesn't care to pray, fast, and seek, but let's just say we're all going to go to heaven anyway, even though he didn't. And then he's going to say, why didn't you pray? Why didn't you fast? Why didn't you seek me? I've had many, many dreams uh, about uh, things on the earth or, you know, things that, that are about to happen in my life. But, I, you know, there are metaphors. I didn't fully understand it. But I've had many, many dreams, as many of you have, that, the, that were from the Lord. But the most um, impacting dream I ever had in my life was... I actually died in the dream, and I went to heaven, and I was at Jesus' feet, and he looked at me, and he said, why didn't you pray? There was more to the dream, but when I woke up, I was like, for the whole day, I, mean, I was kind of like short of breath, like for a whole day, because it was the, this is about probably uh, eight, nine years ago now. But I was like so short of breath and I was like overwhelmed. I was like so split with emotion because I was filled with joy that I actually saw Jesus. Like the most amazing, like even though he's reprimanding you to be before Jesus and to have him talk to you was just like, I couldn't believe that I had been with him because it was more than a dream. Like in my, just to give some context, in my dream, there's a family coming to heaven like, and I interrupted what Jesus was doing with them. Like, I, I firmly believe that I, like, in, it was outside of time. I didn't just go to sleep and have a dream, but this dream, because Jesus is welcoming this family into heaven, it was like it was their time. And then here I am laying on my ground, and he looked at me like, what are you doing here? Like, why are you here now? This is not your time. And so I, so I was... I was filled with joy because I'm like, wow, I'm with the Lord. And simultaneously, I was like, I was so broken. I was so crushed because he said, why didn't you pray? But also simultaneously, nine years ago, he gave it to me on purpose because he gives us time. God gives us time. He gives us warnings. He gives us warnings. He gives us warnings. And he warns us and warns us and warns us and warns us and warns us because of his love, because of his grace and his mercy. Aren't you thankful that God warns us and loves us? And that's really where I feel like the, we're at right now with the Lord. That's where we're at right now. It must be in unity. The Lord says, blessed are the peacemakers in Romans 12, just some quick thoughts so I don't carry on too long. Twelve, Romans 12 says, I love how the NLT says this because in verse 9, he just says it's so blunt. Romans 12, 9 says, don't just pretend to love others. Isn't that funny? You may know it as don't have love with hypocrisy. Don't be a hypocritical lover. 
Like you have to really love people. This is really what it comes down to. And that's what I was, I, I was segueing into. I was just saying that I'm praying for the world, but the Lord's dealing with my heart because what's happening is, is to really understand what love is and to really understand what praying it, uh, for your neighbors, for your brothers and sisters, and fending for your nation really is just to be broken before the Lord, to really love them. It says, hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good. Just quickly, verse 10 says, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Verse 14, uh, hate those who persecute you and curse them because they deserve it. It says, pray that God won't bless them. Anybody? Oh, just seeing if anybody's paying attention. <laughs> bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Live in harmony with each other. You know, when God wrote down scriptures in the New Testament, everybody goes, well, that's Old Testament. Everybody loves to say, that's Old Testament, that's law. You know how many things God tells us to do and not do in the New Testament? Even if that were true, that's not true. It all is one word. But even if it were true, that's Old Testament. He literally says, New Testament, live in harmony with each other. That wasn't a suggestion. Suddenly, because of, of Christ on the cross and because of the blood and because of grace, you don't have this optional, well, the Lord knows my heart thing. That's just, that's not in the Bible. Do you know that that's not in the Bible, the Lord knows my heart? That's not in the Bible. That's a humanistic saying. You know who wrote that scripture? The devil. Because you know what that verse means by the devil? It means I can do whatever I want to whoever I want because I'll just repent later. Live in harmony with each other. And this is what the devil's after right now. If he can get us to stop praying and, and to just give up and to just go back to life, that's one battle. But if he can get rid of our harmony... It's really in unity. The Bible says a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Because one strand that's praying and that's fasting and that's seeking God, one is powerful, but it says that once we put three together, right? Who would want to put your life on a piece of twine? Anybody in here want to hang your life on a piece of twine? I'll, you know, we'll just put you outside the Empire State Building. I'm going to hang you over the side of the building with a piece of twine. Anybody here want to do that? Who would want the best rope, the most, the, the highest, the, the most weight? I mean, I want 25,000 pounds. I don't weigh that much, but I want that rope to be so strong. And how ridiculous it would be to think that it's by ourselves. But the Bible says that it's in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. It's talking about just being humble and don't think you know it all. You know, that's part of it. It's all one verse here. Romans 12, 16 is all one thought. This is all one thought. That our harmony is also being humble and letting my opinion die. Harmony is humility and having no opinion. Or you can have an opinion, but it's not so strong that you can also have harmony. Do you notice right now that, you know, I already... Why are we surprised that the world is raging and that they're fighting? Don't be surprised by that. Satan is over this world. But the earth is the Lord's and the church is to rule the earth. The church is not under the world. We are not of this world. We are in this world, but not of this world. And if we become like the world, the devil wins. And right now, the church is in disunity. The church is fighting. They're, they're fighting, and they're spit, wasting precious effort, precious blood, precious blood, sweat, and tears, really, and time and energy and focus on things that don't matter, or even if they do matter, they don't matter right now. 
if a guy was trying to break in my house right now, and Dawn and I were busy fighting over which way the toilet paper goes, maybe that's a valid argument. Some people think it rolls backwards, some people rolls over. It's a valid argument if you live together every day. But if we were doing that, well, someone's breaking in our house, we would be the dumbest couple on the earth. That's what's happening right now. We're arguing over which way the toilet paper goes, and someone's breaking in the house. And the Lord's telling us right now, listen, you need to get into harmony with each other right now. Get into harmony. Harmony means not just that, okay, I can deal with you and you can deal with me. It means that we are one. We are one. Oneness. United we stand, divided we fall. And the Lord said this to me. He said, the enemy is focused. We need to understand. You know the enemy is focused on his plan? We must be more focused. That's what the Lord said. He is focused, but we must be more focused. And we can be. There is no excuse for us to be more focused than the devil. We have Jesus Christ, blood, on the cross. We have the very Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says that the Spirit hovered above the waters, and God breathed into the clay. He breathed into clay and made us from himself. And he brought restoration to that original creation by the blood of Jesus and putting the Holy Spirit into us. We're going to let the devil walk all over us and get us fighting over toilet paper? How ironic, 2020, wow, didn't even realize that. It says in Matthew chapter, 20, uh, chapter 12, verse 25, he said, Jesus knew their thoughts and he replied, any kingdom divided by silver, civil war is doomed or you may know it as a kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. A town or a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. Do we believe the word of God? It may not happen instantly, but listen to me right now. If we, and, and I'm going to give us a strategy, and for, it's going to take me one minute, in a minute, as our strategy but if we do not right now deal with this, we will fall apart. I believe the word of God. I think the word is so true. I think the word is the word. And it may take time. Some people think they got away with it. Some people think, oh, it didn't affect me. It's only a matter of time. It's only a matter of time before you are going to face, you're going to reap what you've sown. Now, thank God for his grace. You can repent and go dig up those bad seeds, and I think the Lord can turn them, but it only happens through intense repenting and praying and fasting and seeking him. But you will reap what you've sown. And right now, the church has a chance to join together and push back this devil that's trying to take our nation. People get so upset when we make Sundays about politics. You know what? What country do you live in? Anybody know in this church? Anybody know? United States of America. This is where we live. So I don't want to make it about politics, but you know what happens if you don't make church ever about politics? I'm not talking about a political party. Uh, hello, we live here. This is where the church lives. And if we don't fend for this specific place, sure, the church will go on, but that doesn't, that's not a guarantee for your nation. God put us here on purpose. And don't let the history books lie to you that this, this nation wasn't founded with those Christian principles. The only reason we've been blessed so long is because men got on their knees and sought God, right? George Washington, an appeal to heaven, was one of the turning points in the Revolutionary War. An appeal to heaven, because they sought God, and God moved on their behalf. That's how this nation was birthed. If we don't do that same thing right now, we're going to lose the very thing that God gave us. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ to live in harmony with each other 
let there be no divisions. And I preached on this back in June about schisms. And a schism is a very strong separation so much so that you become a different church. One church becomes two. That's what the word means, division. And it says, rather be of one mind united in thought and purpose. I have many more things I could say. In the book of Esther, remember when Esther's in the palace? You guys remember the story, just because we don't have the time, right? We know the story. Mordecai says, he sends a message to Esther. This is in chapter 4, verse 13. Mordecai says, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. Even right now, I, I swear, I feel like, maybe it's just my perception, but I feel like we don't realize what's happening in the cities in this country. Because like, I'm, I'm, out, I'm out with people all day, every day, and I just feel like people are like, it's almost like they're living in La La Land. They don't realize what's happening in these cities. And this is what the Lord says. Don't think that because it's not happening to you in the Hudson Valley, New York right now, that you will escape while they're being dealt with or, you know, whatever is happening there. I don't want to say, I take that back because I don't know what's going on. Whatever's happening there, don't think it's not going to happen to you or it can't happen to you. And he says this, right? We know these, these are some of the, these are the most famous verses of the whole book of Esther. If you keep quiet, at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. And that's because God is faithful, because God will do it. God's going to rescue. God will do it. God will keep, he'll stick to his, his plan, he'll stick to his purpose, but you are not necessarily guaranteed in that. If you keep quiet at this time, God will do it, but you will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for just such a time as this. I promised you a strategy. I said in one minute, I would give you a one-minute strategy, and it's this. I really, this is what I believe that the Lord just gave me. This is what I was doing this very week. I got before the Lord, and the Bible says, don't judge lest you be judged. It's not a verse, but I firmly believe that this is a principle. Whatever you judge, you become. You judge something long enough. You judge a person long enough. Eventually, you become that very person that you've been judging. I've seen it happen so many times. I've seen it in my own life, and I've seen it in others. The schisms and the divisions right now. Nobody in here has got a YouTube channel anyway. But if you did, I would tell you to turn it off. Right now, we ask the Lord to forgive us for the things that you think they're doing wrong. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for the wrongs I think I see in them. Lord, I think they're off. I think these people in the church, they're off. Lord, forgive me. Look at me. Look at the blood. Look through the blood at my life, and I'll repent for them right now. This is not a pride thing. This is a humble thing. Lord, I repent for my own sins first, and while I'm bringing my own, if I think they're off, I'm bringing them in too. You know what begin to happen so, so quickly? A love will grow. A harmony will grow in your own heart. I've said this so many times. When two people are feuding or two families or, or two nations, you know what? The only way it stops, somebody has to give. At some point, somebody's going to have to say, I give. You're never, ever just going to see them just both say, I give up simultaneously. Not unless there's some, well, you give me something, I'll give you something. You know, we're not really giving then. Someone just has to say, I give. You know what? It's not worth it. It's not enough. And if there's any sense of pride in it, the other person will detect that, and the feuding just continues. It has to be real. And I just believe the Lord just gave me this to me as a strategy and it's we're continuing to, we're going to keep holding on to him. We're going to keep praying and fasting. But I really believe this is going to bring some unity. It's going to bring harmony 
And, I, and it's not just me. This is people across the nation. I believe the Lord is going to be putting this in hearts across the nation right now. And I really believe that the Lord is going to unite us together. All the errors, all the things that are off, all the things that our brothers and sisters are wasting time with instead of pointing and judging and doing the very same thing that we're accusing them of, just different things. I'm going to just start praying for them and pleading for them and pleading for them and pleading for them on, right through me. Through me. Let it be me, Lord. Put it on me, and then now re I'm repenting for them. Put their sins on me, and now I give them to you. That's what Jesus did, isn't he? Isn't that what he did? Put their sins on me, Lord, and I'll die for them. Amen? That's really what, what like, a, a, a nation repentance is. We can see that. That's scriptural. How many, right? That's what the prophets did. All the prophets did that. That's what Daniel did. He went in as one man to the Lord representing his nation. He took all their sins and put it on me. I'll repent for them. Amen. I said a lot of different things today, so maybe you have to listen to it to get all the, the points in there. But I do believe the Lord was speaking today. And so, Lord, we just thank you, Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you have given us your word. And I thank you, Lord. You give us, Lord, the prophetic word. I thank you, Lord, that you're still giving us dreams and visions. Lord, your, your written word that's been preserved for all time, Lord, you're bringing it to life. It has life. It's not dead. It's not just a book, but it's alive. You're making it relevant right here and now for this hour. And I pray, God, that today, Lord, that we would listen to what you've told us, that we would listen to your word. We continue to seek you, Lord, and trust in you, Lord, and to walk with you, Lord, in this time, to hold on to you, and to pray, and to seek you, and to begin to love, Lord, like we've never loved before. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, that the devil will not be able to touch your church. In Jesus' name, amen.